You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. Yeah, so, um, I mean, let's just point out the obvious right off the bat that uh, the Florida Trail is a winter through hike, and there's exactly one of those um, in the in the United States right now. Um, and so, you know, as, as I was thinking about what to do over the winter of 2019-2020, you know, the Florida Trail kind of made a lot of sense, in a sense. Uh, and if, you, if it sounds like I wasn't super enthused about it, I think, frankly, you'd be right. That was Kevin Larry Boy DeVries, 2020 Florida Trail thru-hiker, and I'm Misty Ridley-Little. I crossed paths with Larry Boy first at Billy Goat Day back in January and had the chance to sit down and chat with him a couple of times during that weekend. At the time, he was behind the main pack of the Florida Trail through hikers and had been driven up by fellow hiker and trail angel Blue Moon. I kept tabs on Larry Boy during his hike via his blog and on Instagram and knew I wanted to have him on the podcast to chat. His blog is one of those jewel of hiking blogs that you don't really see nearly as often these days with chronicles of his hiking trips over the last 10 years. You get a glimpse of the excellent trails he's been traveling and a sense that you want to be out there too. Fresh off an aborted Grand Enchantment Trail through hike, Larry Boy and I chatted in late March just as pandemic closures were ramping up. We talked about his western hikes, developing hiking routes, and how he found himself in Florida for a winter hike this year. I think you'll enjoy this episode. All right, on to Larry Boy. I mean, the, uh, the last... Uh... I don't know, two months on, I've basically been rained on continuously on like three different trails. I just can't get away from it. Yeah, I was reading through your blog to kind of just get an idea of what to talk about and, and things like that. And yeah, it sounds like you've been quite wet lately. So Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely growing moss behind my ears and stuff. It's uh, it's a little depressing, to be honest with you. But, you know, you take what the trail gives you. There's no sense in complaining too much about it because you can't change it. Right, right. Uh, well, speaking of that, so, okay, well, a couple things. So you're in Michigan right now, but you used to live in Utah and explored there quite a bit. Why the change? Yeah, so I uh, I grew up in Michigan, actually. Um, and then toward the end of college, I went out to Utah, basically uh, with the idea of turning myself into the kind of the hiker I wanted to become. And so I went out there um, in preparation. This was the year before I did the Appalachian Trail, which was my first long trail. And I went out to Utah with the idea of, well, one, working, getting a job, all that good stuff, but also um, hiking. And I spent every weekend in the mountains kind of playing around, expanding my skill set. I learned what a cornice was. I saw j- snow in June for the first time, so that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and just kind of generally turning myself into an outdoorsman, which I hadn't really been growing up. Okay. And so you, when did you leave to come back to Michigan? Or are you going to go back to Utah eventually? Or yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I did the Florida Trail this past um, winter, 2019. And after that, I got on a couple of different trails. And then, of course, the coronavirus kind of knocked me off trail. It just became clear that the resupply situation was too tenuous. You know, you're going into a lot of small towns with, at the end of very frayed and long supply chains. And it just wasn't the right idea to continue. So I headed back to Michigan for a few months where my family lives, uh, kind of laying low and then kind of seeing what the rest of the year holds. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you did get in. At least you got in the uh, the Washtenaw Trail and you were starting the Grand Enchantment Trail, which looks awesome. And 
I would love to do that one someday. So um, that's kind of a bummer that you had to cut things short, which I've seen. Obviously, everybody's cutting things short, but um, well, except for some people on the AT, I still see people on that on that right now. So yeah, I, I can't really advise anybody being on a long trail right now because, like, when you need those services, do you really need those services? And you know, if things go sideways, that puts you into into a contact with a lot of people. You know, suddenly you've got to hitch 30 miles to get to the next town to try and get some food. And, you know, yeah, things are very quickly going to become um, both difficult and kind of irresponsible just in terms of um, social isolation and, you know, trying not to spread this thing. So, but yeah, you know, it was was nice to get in uh, the Florida Trail and most of the Washita Trail. The Grand Enchantment Trail, I, you know, I only did like three days on it. You know, I love that area. Utah, Arizona, or, uh, excuse me, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, um, just some really wonderful, wild, overlooked country down there, and I'm definitely going to be back at some point. I just don't know when. Right, right. No, I think what hit home as you were writing, uh, when it hit home really was the hitching. Like, you could end up at the road, and there's less people on the roads right now, so you could be stuck there, you know, with an empty pack and, you know who knows how many miles you're going to have to walk to a town. Um, yeah, yeah. And that reality kind of, that reality kind of hit me more than, you know, other people's issues that they're showing. So very smart of you to get off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, the, the crisis and we're not going to talk about coronavirus for the entire time today, but I think yeah, it's yeah, important yeah. to acknowledge that, you know, the crisis is affecting everyone a little bit differently through hikers are generally pretty well off, to be honest with you. All we have to do is cancel a vacation with a fancy title. That's all through hikers, yeah. really. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've generally got money saved up um, to go do our hikes, you know, so we're not, you know, living on the edge of starvation. Uh, so, you know, we're affected a, a lot less than a lot of other people who, you know, are dealing with loss of job, loss of family members, maybe, maybe even loss of life. So, yeah. you know, it's very hard to complain if you're a through hiker and not knocked off trail. Are you bummed? Absolutely. I'm pretty bummed myself. But, you know, like, I, I'm still very blessed. And, you know, I, I can't complain too much. Right, right. Um, yes, yeah, so I do want to back up a little bit, not just about the Florida Trail, but because as I was looking through your archives, and because we chatted a little bit at Bill Go Day, like, you do have a pretty extensive hiking background, not just on trails, but on routes. And, you know, you said you mentioned going to Utah to... Um, to kind of just become an outdoors person, I guess maybe just kind of talk about some of the things you've done in the past, some of your favorite expeditions. I'm really, I'm interested in that your Hey Duke trail stuff. Um, and I also like your perspective that it's getting crowded, even though it's not crowded in perspective to, you know, like the AT, but how that's, you know, affecting these Western trails that are becoming popular uh, due to social media. So I know that's kind of a lot, but maybe just a little bit of background in all of that. Sure, yeah. So starting at the beginning, um, you know those really bad ideas that you have when you're a student and it comes down to exam time and you're pretty stressed? You know, like you come up with these like ridiculous ideas, anything to avoid studying for a few minutes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we all get just kind of collectively lose our minds. And that happened to me um, during my freshman year of college. Um, I got it in my head that I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. Now, mind you, I'd only ever done one backpacking trip before. It was about a month earlier. It was down in the Smokies, actually, which is, you know, where I saw the AT running through the park and thought, hmm, that's interesting. 
you know, that trip was a disaster as everybody's first backpacking trip is, you know, we, you know, one guy lost his shoes down the river. I had <laughs> hypothermia, you know, the whole nine yards, you know, the fun stuff. Uh, but I was bound to determine to when I completed my studies to do the Appalachian Trail. And so, you know, that dream kind of percolated for several years. And like I said, before, between my junior and senior years of college, I went out to Utah, got some hiking experience, did uh, one very short backpacking trip that wasn't a failure. So that was a <laughs> milestone, I suppose. And then when I completed college, I did go do the AT. Um, and, you know, that really kind of validated, in a sense, kind of the trajectory I was on, because I loved the AT. I had an absolute blast. You know, I had some pretty terrible weather, to be honest with you. I started way too early, you know, at the end of February, got caught in basically a month of snow. You know, at one point, we were pushing through about waist high snow drifts, which was fun. Yeah. Um, but through all of that, I just really enjoyed it. You know, I developed a love of hiking um, and the outdoors more generally. And that kind of, you know, launched me on the trajectory that I am now. You know, so I, I went out to Utah, you know, having kind of parlayed that internship into a full-time job. I worked that job for several years. And in that time, um, you know, I started, you know, post-Appalachian Trail, I started doing some more off-trail stuff, route finding. You know, the Hayduke Trail was right around the corner. It was my backyard, so to speak. So I did that in sections. You know, I did a few different, like, off-trail routes in, you know, the greater Yellowstone area in places like the Wind River Range and the Beartooth Range, which is highly underrated, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um and through all of that, you know, just kind of like really developed my skills as an adventurer. It was very, it was a very conscious process of trying to push myself, not in an unsafe way, but just constantly challenging myself to do things that were a little bit farther outside of my comfort zone. So, you know, after several years of working in Utah, I decided, you know, I want to go do a long trail again. You know, I had you know, I was doing the Hayduke in sections and that was fun and that was great. But, you know, like at the end of two weeks, you know, or one week or whatever, or even a long weekend, whatever time I was able to spend on the trail, I thought, you know, I want more of this. I wanted to get back to being on trail for weeks and months on end, mm -hmm. like I had on the AT. So a couple of years ago, um, I left work behind for a while. And I've been on trail for a couple of years ever since. You know, I did the Continental Divide Trail. Um, I did a couple shorter things, you know, basically year round. Uh, last year, I did a combination route that included the Arizona Trail, mm -hmm. my own route through Utah and Southern Idaho. And then I picked up the Idaho Centennial Trail from South Central Idaho all the way to Canada. So it was kind of a complete... Um, journey from Mexico to Canada, but rather than being on the CDT or on the PCT, you know, it was a combination of National Scenic Trail that definitely exists as well-marked and well-maintained, my own route, which exists basically only in my own head and on my maps, and then the Idaho Centennial Trail, which is designated by the state of Idaho, but is largely imaginary. 
Um, so it's just this wonderful, beautiful, wild adventure um, that, you know, I really, really enjoyed and really thought was kind of, in some ways, kind of the capstone of the development as a hiker that I've done over the past four, five, six years. Right. So is, is that the route in between you were talking about on your blog? Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. it, it basically consists of 800 miles of the Arizona Trail. A thousand miles through Utah and southern Idaho. I call it the desert hiking route. Um, I've made maps and, and stuff like that. Um, uh, a small guidebook available on on the website, and then the Idaho Centennial Trail, which uses about 70, 80 percent of it. It's about 700 miles from the Sawtooth Range in kind of southern Idaho to the Canadian border. Right. So that's pretty cool that you've gone from just basically, you know, being a newbie hiker, you know, in less than 10 years to basically developing your own hiking route. And uh, is anybody else following or has anybody else been interested in trying to follow your footsteps for that route in between or the desert hiking route at all? Yeah, yeah. I've had several people reach out to me, um, uh, between half a dozen and a dozen, I'd say. Um, I do require as a, so the maps are free and everything. Uh, all you have to basically do is email me. Um, but I do require that people kind of prove that they've done a day of trail work in the last, uh, in the last couple of years, because I think it's important, you know, by the time you do the route in between, you're going to be someone who's done hundreds or likely thousands of miles on hiking trails in your lifetime. You know, and I think it's important that those of us who are the heaviest users who benefited from these hiking trails the most, who in a lot of cases, those hiking trails have changed our lives. I I think it's important for us to give back. You know, so, you know, a day of trail work, you know, go out with your, uh, you know, with your local nonprofit organization, clean up the trails, build a a new switchback, whatever. Um, And, and, you know, more than just having uh, having to do it for the sake of, you know, getting a set of maps, it's really fun. I don't know anybody who does trail work and doesn't enjoy it because it's just a blast. You know, you meet a lot of cool people, you mm-hmm. do a lot of cool work, and it's really fun to walk over that trail, you know, a few weeks, few months, few years later and be like, I built that. Yeah, so, yeah. That's pretty nice. So, you know, I have, I have a few people who have already done their day of trail work, who have already gotten the maps, and a few more who have a day, day of trail work scheduled. So, yeah, you know, I think, you know, it's never going to be a popular route because, you know, the information that I offer is sufficient but also kind of bare bones. And, you know, you do kind of have to know your stuff. It's not necessarily beginner friendly. A lot of trails are beginner friendly. And that's amazing. Um, I love that. But, you know, not every route needs to be like that. And I think the route in between caters to those who, say, hike the CDT or hike the Hayduke and say, like, I want more of that, you know, up the adventure factor. Right, right. So, and I also noticed that, you know, people keep asking you like, when are you doing the PCT? When are you be a triple crowner? Is, is, <laughs> is that, is because you're doing all these routes, is that kind of why you're finding the satisfaction and everything else away from, you know, these big name trails? Is that kind of why you haven't really attempted the PCT yet? Or is that still on your agenda? Yeah. So one thing that I think is really important is to, kind of ascertain your priorities and move in that direction. You know, that's what I did with kind of like my intentional self-education when it comes to backpacking. 
Um, and that's kind of how I approach the decisions to do each different long trail. So I first learned about the PCT. I mean, I kind of vaguely knew about it, but the, I really learned about the PCT. Uh, I, I can tell you the exact date, in fact. Uh, it was a day much like the day that it is today in Michigan, you know, freezing cold, raining. And I was at the, uh, what is that place called? Kinkora Hostel, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Peoples' place, if uh, your listeners are like PAT, in Hampton, Tennessee. And, you know, Bob Peoples is this very brainy kind of guy, legendary kind of hostel owner on the AT. And he has just hundreds, maybe thousands of books in his hostel. And I read a book about the PCT while I'm sitting next to the wood stove and it's raining outside. (laughs) And, you know, these pictures of bright blue sunny skies and lingering snowpack and fields of wildfires look so amazing. And I said to myself, on that day, I'm going to do the PCT someday. And, you know, fast forward four or five years and, um, you know, I was kind of deciding, okay, I, you know, I'm at the point where I'm going to walk away from work for a while and I'm going to do a, a long distance hiking trail. What one do I want to do? You know, for me, it was really between the, uh, the PCT and the CDT. Um, but I thought, you know what, the CDT is changing very quickly because of changes in mapping technology and navigation in terms of popularity. And I kind of wanted to hike the CDT for what it has been in the past and not necessarily what it's going to be in the future. You know, it's a national scenic trail. It's, it's destiny or is to you know, became, become more PCT-like or more AT-like or more Florida Trail-like, you know. But for the meantime, it's kind of this half-finished thing that exists in some places, doesn't exist in others. And I really enjoyed that kind of thing. And I thought, I thought, you know, this is my one chance to do the CDT now be, before it is, you know, before those rough edges get filed off, so to speak. So I did that, and I enjoyed that, and I thought I want more of that. So I did the uh, the route in between last year. So the the PCT has been on my radar for many years, but has never been. It's always been the number two. You know, it's mm-hmm. never been the number one. And I think this uh, this COVID nineteen pandemic kind of shows you that even for you know the most um, savvy or talented backpacker, which I am far from uh, not at all. You know, even for someone who could, you know, do one of these long trails in their sleep, there's still no guarantees in life. And if you, you know, if you need to make sure you prioritize the right thing so that you don't ever have that regret and say, oh, I wish I had done the CDT several years ago because it's just not the same now or whatever. Yeah. You know, so there's, a, a, you know, I, as we sit here recording in the springtime, you know, there's no guarantee that the PCT is even going to be accessible this summer, you know? You know, maybe, maybe not, you know, there's no sense in worrying about it not now, but it just kind of goes to show you that, you know, had the PCT been the number one trail on my list, I think I probably would be a little bit disappointed to be in the state of flux right now. Yeah. And I do, Lord willing, hope to do the PCT this summer southbound. I've got a permit and everything, just waiting to see what the, uh, the pandemic situation is like. Right. Okay. Um, so with all of that, I mean, what brought you to, you're you're heavily featured in the West. What made you decide, Hey, let's go to Florida and hike in the swamps. (laughs) How did that become (laughs) on your radar? Yeah. So, um, I mean, let's just point out the obvious right off the bat that, uh, the Florida trail is a winter through hike and there's exactly one of those, um, in the, 
in the United States right now. Um, and so, you know, as, as I was thinking about what to do over the winter of 2019, 2020, you know, the Florida Trail kind of made a lot of sense in a sense. Uh, and if, if it sounds like I wasn't super enthused about it, I think, frankly, you'd be right. Um, you know, I had heard, I think you actually, a few years ago, do some sort of interview where you're like, the Florida Trail doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> and I kind of kind of blew it off, you know, because I don't know. You know, I had heard about the, the Florida Trail while I was on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, Chuck Norris and Tigger, who are... Um, who are active in the in the Florida Trail scene were running a hostel in North Carolina at that time on the AT. So I kind of heard about the Florida Trail, thought, nah, Florida, I don't want to hike there. You know, I kind of heard, I think it was your interview about the Florida Trail, nah, whatever. Um, and then I met a couple of people who had done it. And they were kind of, you know, folks like me, you know, people who like, you know, walking on the trails that are a little bit farther off the beaten path. Um, and I thought, huh, maybe. You know, so so I went down there this winter with not a lot of expectations. Mostly is, you know, it's a nice leg stretcher, nice way to begin the season, you know, fun. Um, you know, I'm not super jazzed on it, but you know, it, it's it's something to do. Um, you know, I like long distance hiking. And I was just really, really surprised by how how much I enjoyed it. You know, it I think it, you know, if, if you're one of the people like me who were pretty skeptical on the Florida Trail, um, I think you got to go down there and try it for yourself. Because, you know, if you go in there with the right attitude, I think you're going to be very pleasantly surprised. Right. So a couple of things that I took notes of about about the, your experience on the Florida Trail, and that was one that you were not impressed mostly by the National Forests in <laughs> in Florida, on the Florida Trail. Yeah. Um, and mainly I, one was Ocala and, um, you said it was monotonous, which I hate to say this. I kind of agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are, there are points in it that I do love. And there are points like people love like the Juniper Prairie wilderness. And that's like one of my least favorite oh. sections. <laughs> um, so it's like, it's just funny hearing, that perspective when so many people are, you know, like, I love the national forests on the trail, but I like, I like hearing other viewpoints. So kind of maybe talk a little bit about that. And, and it probably has to do with some maybe situational uh, experiences. Like you said, Apalachicola was just like totally just sogging wet for you. So, and I think maybe even raining a lot in the panhandle. So um, maybe expound a little bit about that and your experiences with that. Yeah. So uh, let's just take them in order. So Cal national forest, um, you know, I enjoyed like the Hopkins Prairie area. Um, for those who don't know, you kind of go along the edge of kind of like a treed area, you know, so the trees are on your right and the prairies on your left as you're headed northbound. And it's just this winding circuitous trail, but it is rather pretty. So I must state that for the record. Um, I did enjoy parts of it, but you know, I went through, um, some pretty uh, cold, rainy, nasty days. Um, and I just found the sand pine forests that you're supposed to love to not be that interesting. I really loved the, the Florida Trail um, forest for the most part. I think they're by far the most interesting and varied forests I've ever walked through. And we'll talk about that probably later. But in the national forests specifically, it was mostly just a lot of pine. And, you know, this mile looks like the next mile, looks like the next mile, looks like the next mile. 
in Ocala specifically, I think what really make it are the um, the springs. And I did not stop at the springs. So we're talking about Alexander Springs mm-hmm. and Juniper Springs. Yeah. And I've heard nothing but wonderful things about those from everybody. But they were both off trail, and it was just absolutely dumping down rain as I went that went past those and I had no desire to stop and what haul out my camera, get that all wet, <laughs> yeah. a picture of something that won't look good or to experience something that I'm mostly just looking forward to getting in my tent and being warm and dry. You know, so I, I, I missed the Springs for good reason because of weather. They were a little bit off trail. And I think that very much changed my experience of the, of Ocala National Forest. I think a better way to think about Ocala would be um, in terms of the springs, which are nice, the forest, which is blah, but the kind of uninterrupted long stretch of single track, I think you do have to say is nice. So, you know, I'm not necessarily down on Ocala. It just, you know, it just is two main events and a lot of filler. And if the main events aren't worth seeing because of weather, you're left with a lot of filler. and then Osceola National Forest, like, whatever. Like, it, it, it's, it's nice. It's short. You know, you, there's this campground um, on a beautiful lake, and that's cool. But, you know, it's so short as to be, you know, de minimis, essentially. And then Apalachicola National Forest, um, I thought, held a lot of potential. I think if you did it in nice weather, it'd be nice. But it sometimes, you know, like, the trail routing was completely ridiculous. You know, there's these nice, like, national forest roads, you know, that there's no traffic on. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, the guidebook will say something like, leave road to descend into swamp. <laughs> like, and it says that sometimes. And you're like, no, I'm just not, you know. So I took a little bit of liberties with the trail routing in Apalachicola, Um Again, because it was cold and rainy, and I slept in the bathroom one night because it was cold and rainy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things, but, you know, do it on a 75-degree day. Yeah, I don't mind walking through some swampy bits, you know. Because, you know, a lot of times the most interesting plants and animals are down there and stuff like that. But on kind of when the weather is questionable, it's simply not worth it. Um, I will say that Bradwell Bay was very interesting. That's a kind of an old growth swampy area in the middle of Apalachicola National Forest. I had a nice afternoon to do that on. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was basically completely dry for me. That was before it just got rained on for like two months straight. Um, and I really enjoyed just seeing these gigantic old growth cypress. And that was really neat, really worth it. And it kind of gave me a kind of a sense of what the national forests could have been like had I not just hit them in bad weather. Right, right. No, Apalachicola is definitely, I will say from experience, in a nice scenery situation, it is it is beautiful. Um, but I'm like you, we, some of that section we hiked, it was cold, even though it was sunny, it was still cold outside. And I couldn't imagine if it was raining and cold going through some of that area and, and being wet and it was just kind of, I don't know, I agree, kind of poorly planned in some spots. I'm like, we need some alternative routes here that people aren't going to feel bad about taking when uh, the situation calls for it. So I agree with you on those. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I tend to take a pretty flexible 
um, approach to trail routing is just in general. You know, like trails are kind of a conduit for me of, you know, moving in the right direction and seeing wonderful things. And if that helps me do that, then great. If there's a better alternative, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no, no qualms about taking, taking that instead. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say that particularly in Apalachicola National Forest, I, you know, pay attention to your map. Don't just follow the trail blindly. A lot of times the trail is the best route, but not always. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to take a better route because of, you know, dumping down 40 degree rain, do that. You know, no, yeah. no one holds it against you. And, it's, you know, it's between you and your conscience. I don't mean to tell other people what to do, but, you know, that, that's the approach that works well for me. Right, right. Um, so speaking of other swamps, so in Big Cypress, it's, I think you said you started off in some old shoes thinking you were going to get new ones pretty quickly and then realized <laughs> new, new was going to be like hundreds of miles down the trail. <laughs> um, maybe just, yeah, talk about, since you did start at Big Cypress, your, your first experiences on the Florida trail, um, you know, were they kind of what you were expecting, um, or, or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I had some really nice weather going through um big cypress and that really made it a pretty pleasant experience honestly um you know so people talk about the third first 30 miles so actually backing up a little bit more when it comes to the florida trail you know if if you're not kind of informed you think it's all just going to be really really easy um and then the you know miles 20 through 30 on the trail which is you know for most folks day two or day three are just really quite difficult um is big cypress this is kind of really muddy swamp Mm -hmm. which is just all one mile an hour terrain like you know you're trying to like extract your foot from the mud with every step and it's just a it's slow it's frustrating, but it's also a complete blast because you just you just look down and laugh. You're like, "What am I doing out <laughs> here?" You know, you know that you know the the kind of the attitude of resiliency rather than getting down. You know, you, you just turn the whole thing to a big joke, and you're like, "Man, I, I feel just like completely ridiculous trying to walk through this crap." Um, but it, it was a lot of fun, and I had a good day for it. You know, I did like a 10, 11 mile day through the worst of the the mud and stuff like that. And, you know, I wasn't going very fast or very far, but you know, it was a lot of fun. And when you make it through, there's this just overwhelming feeling of relief. Like I made it through Big Cypress, you know, you know, the hardest thing on the Florida trail was already right off the bat here. You know, I did that, you know, the rest of it, you know, I, I'm pretty confident in. Um, so I really love that. Um, I, I liked seeing the cypress domes and stuff like that because I had never hiked in the southeast. And, and the different uh, different plants and animals um, I saw out there, you know, I saw a couple snakes. Um, you know, the cypress domes and these magical islands uh, yeah. in the middle of the kind of the cypress swamp where you could, you know, actually find dry ground, maybe set up a tent, eat lunch, um bang all the mud out of your shoes that kind of thing but those are wonderful just so lush so truly tropical and i just thought that was great i enjoyed that a lot okay now you get to the trail uh by blue moon i can't remember did you meet him on the arizona trail is that how you knew him 
I met him on the Appalachian Trail. Appalachian Trail, okay. Somewhere in central Virginia. And we hiked into Pennsylvania together and stayed in touch, stayed friends ever since. Okay. Um, So, I mean, you had him to help you off, but what other trail angels or interactions with people on the trail did you have? I, I... I don't really, I guess I get from your, your experience, your, your hiker MO is pretty like solitary. Um, you don't really travel with other people too much, but did you run into other hikers through hikers on the trail? Were you running into trail angels or hunters or, uh, day hikers, anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of other through hikers, um, I found the Florida trail to be surprisingly solitary. Like, you know, you could look through the, like, the little sign-ins at trailheads and stuff like that and see that there are other hikers out there. But I only met a very small handful of them while I was actually on trail. Um, I think a lot of that is because there are so many different town options. Like, everyone is going to have a different kind of town plan on the Florida Trail that, you know, it's not like hikers just naturally end up congregating at the same places. You know, like some people will go into the town of Paisley, for example, right before Ocala National Forest. Other people won't. You know, some people send a box to the Rodman Campground. Other people go into Palatka. You know, so there's just a lot of options. So you don't see, you know, all the hikers chilling out at the same one diner in town in the same town that everybody has to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up knowing of the existence of other hikers more than actually meeting them. Uh, I never really hiked with anybody on the Florida Trail. I, I met some people a handful of times. Um, and toward the end, I, I ran into a couple of people, which is nice. Um, but it was, a, it was a solitary trail. Um, I think things would be a little bit different. Um, and if you're d- going to do the Florida Trail and hoping to you know, make friends and hike with people, I would recommend going to the kickoff, um, which is down at the Southern Terminus, basically the first week of January most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, a lot of people started at the kickoff, met each other there, and hiked, you know, often kept times the whole way together. Uh, I didn't. I started a couple of days after the kickoff just because, you know, that's when my family's holiday celebration wrapped up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never made those kind of friendships right at the beginning, which is fine. You know, I'm, like you said, I most of the time roll solo, and I'm happy to do so. But for those who are looking for a little bit more social interaction in their life, I think the kickoff would be kind of key to making those friendships right off the bat. As far as uh, uh, trail angels and other people supporting the, the trail are concerned, um, let's see here. I I, I think the uh, the Florida Trail is a really tight knit community. Um, you know, it's not a big community. You know, you're going to get a lot of kind of like weird looks and, and questions from folks in town. But I think, you know, those who are kind of in on the secret on the Florida Trail uh, do a really great job of supporting it. Uh, You know, so when I got to Crestview, I stayed with Frosty, and that was awesome. I stayed at the the legendary Hillcrest Baptist Church uh, just outside Bristol, um, and that was just the best thing ever. Um, I I just had so many good interactions with... Um, people in the trail community on this trail in a way that it's been a while, frankly, um, since I've had that, probably not since CAT. Um, and I think because of the tight-knit nature of, of the trail community, I think it's kind of poised for future success, frankly. I should also mention, 
um, that I just had this wonderful, just almost surreal experience down uh, just north of Okeechobee. Uh, I'm walking on this kind of roadwalk section toward a campsite, and I a car roll, pulls down next to me, and just on this like paved county road, not too much traffic, but there was some. Uh, and she just stops right in the middle of the road and yells out the, uh, the the window, hey, I've been meaning to ask, what you doing? You know, and <laughs> I, I look at my watch, and it's about, you know, 40 minutes until dark, and I'm about 2.3 miles away from the next place where I can plausibly camp. And I was like, oh, I do not have time for this. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like, you know, do the right thing. Go over there, be the good trail ambassador. And I walk over there, and, and you know, we're standing right in the middle of the road talking. There's like cars zooming past us. So I was like, maybe you should, you should like pull over to the side. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, so she pulls over to the side of the road, and we continue talking. You know, I ask, all, you know, I answer all the typical hiker questions Where are you coming from? Where are you going? When did you start? How much did you pack? Where do you carry a gun? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and she was just this really nice, nice person. And and she said, like, oh, I've been meaning to ask for, like, a week or two now because, you know, 40 people have gone by that I've seen. And, like, I just keep wondering what they're doing. But my husband's like, no, you just can't ask random strangers what they're doing. But, but I was bound and determined, and I'm so glad I did. I was like, well, you know, if you want to have, you know, more of these kind of interesting conversations with, you know, interesting people on trail, you know, what I would do is I would just put, a, like, a six-pack of lukewarm 7-Up in my car and when you uh when you see a hiker just pull over offer him a, a can of pop and uh you know oftentimes that'll lead to one of the conversations she's like you know i just might do that and so you know we said our goodbyes and she drives when it and i think that's the end of it right yeah about 10 minutes later um guess who rolls back up <laughs> she's like hey hey i, I got you a, a can of lukewarm dr pepper i was like oh you didn't even do that that's so nice um but she also gave, she says, you know, I'm, you know, I, I looked up your, uh, your blog and it looks like you went through the big Cypress reservation. You know, I don't usually kind of like leave with this, but I am Seminole myself. And I think that's so cool that you walked through the, the reservation. And she gives me um, like a copy of the tribal newspaper and uh, this homemade like patchwork uh, quilted pouch uh, with some like traditional remedies inside she's like you know I want you to kind of like experience the taste of what it's like to be here and be on the reservation you know we're a proud people um, and I thought that was just the coolest thing like it was this beautifully quilted pouch which I'm you know I'm sitting here looking at right now actually uh, she did a wonderful job on it you know there's like herbs and stuff in, in, inside it's just this wonderful wonderfully thoughtful gift now she writes a nice little note of encouragement. And I was just completely floored. Like, that is probably one of the most thoughtful, you know, gifts I've ever received from anybody ever. And it was just so cool to make that kind of connection with somebody. And, you know, in a sense, you know, like this changed her whole understanding of the place in which she lived. And it changed my understanding of the place I was hiking through. So I just thought that was a wonderful kind of anecdote and it just kind of illustrates to me just kind of the 
the in the community nature of the Florida Trail. Like so many of our trails are in these like protected artificial corridors. You know, they're in like designated wilderness areas or in large national forests. And Florida has some of that. But much of it is, you know, a lot of times you're walking through wild places that are still inhabited by people. And you have these beautiful interactions. And, like, you really get to see what, like, America is like. You know, you walk through suburban neighborhoods in Orlando and pass, like, broken down mobile homes in the middle of nowhere and everything in between. I just thought that was a really unique and really rewarding aspect of the Florida Trail. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing experience for sure. Um, that is that's definitely been our experience on the Florida trail is wasn't necessarily the so-called trail angels, which are fine. It, it, it was the, the other random encounters. And I think it's those random encounters you find on any trail that kind of really just spark your, that make your day, especially if you've had a, if you've had a hard day or if you're in a situation where like you were in, like, okay, I just want to get to this, get to my campsite here. But then you have this, you know, the thing that made getting to that campsite just a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. It was definitely worth not hiking a little bit. Um, and I think, like you said, you have a lot of those, you have those encounters on other trails, but I think you're even more likely to have it on the Florida Trail because of kind of, the, you know, the small plots of public land, you know, the fact that yeah. you're going past a lot of people, you know, you just have so many more opportunities to have these encounters, you know, it's rewarding. Yeah. Right, right. So I do want to ask you about your about Billy Goat Day. Uh, what your thoughts were on that? I think you you were likened to like a Trail Days on the Florida Trail, which I kind of feel like that a little bit too. It was my first Billy Goat Day too, so it was kind of interesting to experience that. Um, but from your perspective as a through hiker, you know, just coming off the trail and getting to know the hikers that are on the trail at the same time, but not necessarily around you. How was that for you? Yeah, I was so glad I went to Billy Goat Days because I, I met a lot of hikers that, you know, I might have passed or who might have passed me or who were just several hundred miles ahead of me or behind me, who I never would have met otherwise, you know, made several good friendships out of out of Billy Goat Days, which was nice, even if I didn't necessarily hike with people that much. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a chance to kind of, um, kind of step away from the kind of the daily concerns of, you know, where, where's the next water source that doesn't look like ginger ale, you know, (laughs) where's the next place I can poop where I'm not going to have traffic rolling past me, you know, all these things that like are very, very pedestrian, pedantic down to earth concerns and, you know, kind of put the trail in a broader context, you know, and it was really nice to meet, you know, I've talked to Nimble Nomad for a while and like, there's not too many times that you get to, you know, kind of pick, pick the brain of someone who's that experienced, frankly, even legendary, uh, which was awesome. And, you know, just kind of get a better sense of what the, what the Florida Trail is all about. I'm, I'm glad I went. You know, I'm not usually a, a big, like, trail festival person because groups of, like, more than five people scare me. But, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was really, really good and really fun. Good. Um, so I don't want to, you know, go too long on this, but, um, to kind of wrap up a little bit. So what were some of your favorite sections of the Florida trail? Like maybe some highlights and lowlights. Um, you've highlighted a couple good things. Um, but is there anything else that stands out? Any wildlife encounters? And then there's anything that you're just like, Oh, I can't believe the Florida trail had that section or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's address the second part of the question first. The, uh, the hogs and the dogs. Um, <laughs> 
and I think anybody who's actually uh, like through hikes board show probably knows what I'm talking about, like the hogs tearing up the ground in the southern mm-hmm. part of the southern central part of the trail, the, like the Kissimmee River section especially, which was an amazing section. To answer the first part of the trail, that was one of my favorite sections. Uh, but to answer the second part of the question, the hogs in that section that made they basically rototilled like this large yeah. area of ground just by rooting around makes it almost impossible to walk over. You feel like you have sea legs at the end of it. You're just kind of bobbing and weaving back and forth trying to find level ground. That was no fun. And uh, I would definitely recommend on the dogs part of the dogs and dogs thing. I would recommend anybody who does this trail does it with pepper spray. Um, I didn't. um, And I definitely wished I had it sometimes in the, uh, the Northern part of the trail. You know, you're on these long road walks, um, which are unavoidable. There's, really no way you can kind of get around it unless you just hitch it um and you know a pack of four or five chow hounds runs out and you know surrounds you and there's one of them acting all aggressive you know the alpha and like oh boy this could end bad you know so i'm, I'm sure there's been a few people bit every year um on the forty trail so i would say definitely you know it's nothing to stop you from doing the forty trail but it definitely uh um bring your pepper spray and be prepared to use it um on the on the things and sections that I liked section, um, I would say the the Suwannee River was amazing, and the Asilla. I think I'm saying that right, even mm-hmm. though yeah, the the butchering of Spanish names is something I don't like about the Florida Trail. <laughs> but the the Asilla um, River section was amazing. You have this entire river that just stops. You know, it flows into this underground sinkhole and is gone. And then maybe it'll reappear and disappear for a while again. And that's amazing. That's incredible. Where else do you see that? Yeah. You know, and there's like couch cushions floating in the sinkholes, you know, all the trash <laughs> that <Yeah. laughs> on the surface the river dives, dives underground. It's just really interesting, really unique, really bizarre, frankly. Um, and then Eglin Air Force Base, some of the most, you know, just wonderful, pristine forests with this nice open understory um, and wonderful you know, bridges that are surely works of art, you know, covered in roofing shingles, which great idea, yeah. keep them from getting slippery. And then finally, I would say the live oaks, wherever they were found. I'm thinking specifically of the Kissimmee River, but everywhere, you know, and anywhere that it wasn't pines and just the forest in general were just so nice. You know, usually, you know, forests are the boring part of trails. You know, you do them and they're miles and, you know, there may be interesting things to see, but they're not spectacular. And then when you pop out above tree line on a lot of, tra- lot of trails, that's when you start ooing an eye. On the forest trail, it's completely the opposite. Anytime you're not in the trees, it's like, eh, it's all right. You know, a lot of times that's, those are your road walks, your bike paths, and it, it's, it's satisfactory, but not much more than that. But when you get into the forest and there's these, like, mosses and lichens hanging off these live oak trees there's big beautiful open understory and there's wonderful camping um and like that to me is the beauty of the forest trail and i think you know the Kissimmee river section with all those live oaks and even fruit trees really kind of exemplified that for me right right um one i i also found a quote or something from your blog that you know you, you don't Sorry, I'm going to probably edit this because <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. But you're, you're trying to say that you don't necessarily hike to have this great transformative experience that you like to just spend time in beautiful places. And that's why you hike. Um, and I was like, I can relate to that. It's like, you know, I just like I just 
you may be having a transformative experience that's really hard to express, but it's not like you're you're not Cheryl Stray at overcoming, you know, whatever tragedy from your mother's past on the PC2, but you're just out there growing yourself and enjoying these places. And I just say, I can resonate with that. And I appreciate that you express that because I think that's why so many people hike and it's not always necessarily about, you know, becoming, you know, one with whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't know if you have anything to say about that, but I just wanted to say, I appreciated that sentiment. Yeah, what I would say is that um, what I've seen over and over um, on long trails is that people go out there to be a better person or whatever, but that quickly kind of gets lost in the routine of the day-to-day. You know, it's not like you're going to be, you know, noticing progress or change in yourself while you're on the trail. Um, unless, you know, you're, you're kicking back at, you know, on a zero day, maybe with a, with a cold beverage and just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze with, uh, with your hiking partners. But for the most part, like transformation is something that happens when you're not looking for it. Um, and if you're out there to be a better person, but aren't necessarily into the hiking part of hiking, I think it's a very easy thing to just quit the trail because you're going to become disillusioned. If you're truly not enjoying what you're doing, being out in the backcountry, like I would say, start by enjoying it. Start by looking for things every single day that you can enjoy and appreciate. See if you like the rhythm of hiking and you will be changed by your experience. You will. But it'll happen when you're not looking, you know, like at the end of the trail or even a few years afterwards, you can look back and say, yeah, that changed the whole trajectory of my life. And that's been true for me, you know, like long distance hiking has definitely uh, um, had a transformative impact on me. But it happened when I wasn't looking and it happened only because, you know, on a day in day day out basis, I got up. And I just enjoyed walking and I enjoyed being in beautiful places. And I enjoyed, you know, having the cricket sing me sleep at night. Like it's not always fun, but it's a, it's a rewarding lifestyle that I've come to embrace, you know, enjoy it. And then the transformation will come is what I would say. Right. Right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, hopefully that you will be able to get on another trail later this summer. So hopefully it'll be the PCT or do you think you'll get back out to the Grand Enchantment Trail sometime? I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. You know, even this fall, if PCT falls through or, you know, in sections over the years, you know, there's got to be a way to do it. Right. And I also wanted to mention, um, I spoke with uh, Eric Schlimmer of the Trans Adirondack route. Have you heard of that before? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting, uh, very interesting kind of similar concept to a lot of the uh, routes that are being kind of laid down out west. I really have a lot of respect for what he's done there. Yeah. And I was just going to suggest, hey, you should add that on because I talked with him. He's, um, it just sounds very fascinating and just right up your alley. So. Yeah, yeah. I'd definitely be interested in that. That's the, the problem is, you know, as you, you know, check one off your list, you immediately add three more. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's just always more to be done. And that's something that has both the positives and this kind of downsides. But on the, on the whole, it's a pretty good thing. Right. Well, do you want to share where you write? You have a, an extensive history on your blog where people can follow you on your, where you're writing there and uh, your social media accounts, anything like that? Yeah. Um, you can follow me on um, 
Instagram at LB Hikes. That's where LB as in Larry Boy. Pretty basic. And then also on lbhikes.com. Um, you can find both kind of trip reports and then also um, resources for the aforementioned Deseret hiking route, as well as the Winter Highline Trail and some other stuff. Um, don't necessarily post super regularly, but you can always subscribe for updates or whatever you want to do. Right. And I meant to ask about your trail name, Larry Boy. Is that from Veggie Tales or what's that from? <laughs> I, I won't uh, I won't burn your listeners' ears by uh, singing the Veggie Tales theme song on this <laughs> interview. But yes, it is from Veggie Tales. I thought I was th- singing Veggie Tales when I thought I was alone in the woods on the Appalachian Trail. And I definitely wasn't. And in fact, the lady hiking behind me very quietly knew the song I was singing and started singing along. Just about <laughs> That's funny. That. <laughs> that's funny I was like Larry boy I know this from somewhere and I had to google it I'm like oh that's what it was because my niece she was really into Betty Tales back you know 10 years ago and that's where it all came came together so I figured that was a probably an interesting story and it sure was <laughs> yeah well you know for hikers of a certain generation namely you know mine um you know and who are you know children of the 90s or the 2000s um just about everybody's heard of Veggie Tales, and they always kind of give me this half, half knowing smile and be like, Where does that trail name come from? Like, <laughs> already. And then I, have, of course, have to sing the song. And blah, blah, blah. Right. That's funny. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with me. I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad we got to chat. I know you would have preferred being hiking probably, but uh, I'm glad we made it happen. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to chat, and thank you as well for all that you do to promote the Florida Trail. I think it's pretty great, and I listen regularly. All right, well, thank you, and you have a you have a great I don't know rest period before hopefully you get back on the trail. <laughs> a brief rainy day. <laughs> all right. That's it for my conversation with Larry Boy. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe picked up a few hiking ideas for once we're all able to get back on trail. Show notes for the episode can be found on orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com and the podcast is on Instagram as orangeblazepodcast and Facebook as official orangeblazepodcast. Until next time, happy hiking. Mm, At least locally.